how I think about thinking about the future looks more like a savings account versus a checking account. The future belongs to those who think about it. That's one thing I hope for the future is that we move a lot slower. Well, that's the beauty of thinking about the future, right? I don't think that there should ever be a rush to try to put titles on things. And unfortunately, I feel like You're listening to the Aftergrad Podcast. My name is Robert Kane. And I'm Victoria Gilbert. And we are your fellow Aftergrads trying to find clarity and security in this postgrad moment. And today we are going to take a short detour into the future. We have a game that we're going to play or try to play because we're not in the same location. But really, it's just a way for us to kind of think about future scenarios, have conversations about the future. And yeah, just like see where it goes, because I think thinking about the future is very important for young folks and just anyone in general. Robert, where did you find this game? <laughs> Good question because it's not a very mainstream game. No. So the game is called Decode the Future and it was created, I want to say back in 2020, oddly enough, funny enough, because okay. of the pandemic and it was founded or created by this company called Futures Today Institute. So if you all haven't heard of this organization, they're basically an entity that tries to help primarily companies Think about so the consultation. Future. Yes, yes. Okay. Consultations like consulting, giving advice to brands or sometimes people about future scenarios, helping them navigate uncertainty. And then obviously with what the pandemic created and then this type of an economic uncertainty and inflation, it's just useful to be able to think about scenarios before they happen. And I think many entities and governments as well probably could have benefited from this type of <laughs> foresight practice. Said, you know what? <laughs> Obviously, some things aren't thinking about our future, so we're going to help y'all understand the future. Absolutely. Because everybody thinks about the future, but wow, what such a genius idea to turn it into a whole organization and make um, probably a pretty penny just consulting other companies to stay aware of what's to come. Because right. I guess, you know, these larger companies have better things to work on in the present and maybe they forget or... Yes. seem to put aside, you know, things to consider in the future. But in, in our own way, we all do that, um, I think. Right. Yeah, I which mean, is I why think, the game's healthy. I think people a lot of times want to stay in the present because they might make an argument that like thinking about the future is too stressful or too disconcerting and they don't yeah. want to allocate time. So that's kind of why this organization propped up. And it wasn't yeah. in regards to the pandemic necessarily. It <laughs> obviously was a great opportunity for them to leverage their insights during that time when there was yeah. so much uncertainty, but they existed long before then. And there has been, there's a field of study called future studies or yeah. foresight or insight or whatever you want to call it, but it's just using like historical events, yeah. data, thought leadership to kind of create this identity of being able to not predict the future. And that's what the field of right. study, and I've been diving deep into like what this type of future studies really means. And oftentimes when we think about future, a lot of times the misconception is we're trying to predict the future, but no mm -hmm. one knows what the future will entail. It, yeah, all it you really have to is. submit yourself to that part. Yes, yes, that's very key. And we've talked about that too mm -hmm. in previous moments where we're like submitting to the timing and the control. But at the same time, with that understanding, it's helpful to try to think about what could possibly happen in the future. And that's what this game does. And that's what the field of study does, trying to expand your imagination. I'm super excited because <laughs> I struggle. I think I've talked about this on the show is that 
I'm always thinking about the future. And sometimes that takes me away from my present. And so I am always, my effort is always trying to stick to the present and just work on the first step, step by step and not get too excited about the future. But again, always an advocate for games like this, because now also just living through the pandemic, I do want to say, like you were just saying, there's a balance to it all. Mm -hmm. But after going through that and now graduating college, living the afterlife or the aftergrad life, I look at the future. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. My voice. Is it raspy? Is it going raspy again? No, it's good. Okay. It also, it's just very real and lived in. And the fact that okay. we have this Zoom recording of this, <laughs> this blanket is giving me life. Like we're really just trying to pull up. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> yesterday I was left at work till 1 a.m. in the morning. Love that is that, that is passing a boundary. That is apparently passing a boundary for me. I am so dysfunctional if I do not have full seven and I don't have full seven. So therefore, here's my voice, guys. But as I was saying... Oh, I was just saying how excited I am to play this game because like you were saying, we always have to have a balance, but I definitely for sure will say that, and I I feel like playing this game is just a healthy way to conceptualize what's to come for you or what you, how imaginative you could be for the future. Um, Simply being though, I do want to say like my, how I think about thinking about the future looks more like a savings account versus a checking account. I was thinking about this the other day. I used to believe fullheartedly in whatever I would consider the future to be like, that is what I would swipe on my bet on. But now I just look at it as a savings account. It's my guiding, my leading source, and it keeps me motivated for the present, but it's not necessarily just knowing life circumstances, events, and, you know, uncalled for emergencies that can occur that can hinder those plans. Like I no longer look at it as, okay, this is my checking account and I'm a swipe, swipe. So I know that's like savings and this is what I'm hoping for. But at the end of the day of my present and whatever life throws at me, that's what I have to lean on. So, uh, yeah. There's, there's so many, there's so many thoughts there that I, I have to unpack and have to think about. Let's see where to begin. I'm a part of this decentralized autonomous organization. So that's like a web three term if people aren't familiar, but basically it's this organization that's called Radar and they do a lot of work in like futures and foresight and really kind of trying to spot signals that allow us to think about the future and yeah. kind of project different scenarios. But there was one person that made a quote during one of the meetings that basically said the future belongs to those who think about it. And for mm-hmm. me it was it was just a very profound thought because I feel like oftentimes History has happened to people. And so I feel like for me, why I get so inspired by thinking about the future is because there's an opportunity to create something better than the pre- than the present. And I feel like the present as of late in certain moments has just been so depressing and violent. And so I don't know, it just gives me excitement, even though it can be very overwhelming, because like you were saying, mm-hmm. there's so many different possibilities. But again, back to the quote, if you don't think about the future, then the future is going to happen to you rather than yeah. you having the opportunity to be in some sense prepared for mm-hmm. the different scenarios. And at every given point in time, I personally feel like there's so many different branches or pathways that one mm-hmm. can take. And if you don't at least give some thought to what those pathways might look like, right. again, the future will happen to you rather than you maybe being in some sense prepared. And this is both on a personal level, but then from an organizational standpoint, 
from a business standpoint. So I feel like there's many different ways that this can emerge, but this being the Aftergrad podcast, we're really trying to have this conversation in service of really the recent graduates, but then also people that consider themselves aftergrads, which is a whole slew of people. So really that's what this game is about. We're going to walk through kind of like the instructions on how to play the game. We're going to do like a modified version because again, we're not in the physical, we're not in the same physical location. So we're going to try our best to facilitate the way that this game is supposed to be played while also kind of like walking through the history and then having various side comments along the way. So again, the game is called Decode the Future, and it's created by an organization called Futures Today Insight. And let's see, I have the document pulled up, and we'll put all the links in the description so that you all can download the game if you want to play with maybe your organization or introduce it. But when you pull up to the document, one of the first things that they basically say is kind of what we were just talking about. In 2020, we learned that the world can change quickly in ways that are difficult to predict. Speculative stories became our reality. Surviving and thriving meant adapting to a new world and a new set of conditions. Many of us were unprepared and caught off guard. What did being unprepared cost your organization? Wouldn't it be nice to think about and plan for unexpected scenarios before they happen? So that's kind of like the premise that they offer to the potential player of the game, to the Mm -hmm. person that's interested in thinking about these things. And yeah, ultimately, I mean, it goes back to what we were just saying about being prepared for unexpected events i think there's opportunities to save money to save time to Mm -hmm. save yourself heartache from just thinking about the futures but also like you said earlier not being tied to the futures that you outline because Mm -hmm. again if you have that understanding that like i'm not taking myself too seriously the knowledge Mm -hmm. that i have is just a part of my journey and my experience and there's always going to be moments where i learn more and in that Mm -hmm. sphere of knowledge of where I don't know what I don't know. There's so much mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And over time, information from that sphere of knowledge is going to insert itself into what I know, what I know. Yeah. And that can then change my outlook and my perspective. So really it's just about Right. And when you're really balance. passionate when you're really passionate about the future as well, I was going to ask you about that. Or we were talking about this kind of the other day on the phone. It's just like sometimes you may place yourself in the category of the Lulu, like in, mm-hmm. in especially happening in the present, which is why it's so great to be grounded with certain present things. But at the same time, I just think the Delulu people and for that's abbreviation for delusional for the delusional people or for the people who just want to push for something different in order to push for something different you have to imagine the different right and so those are the change makers and those are the people who are breaking the boundaries so that we can actually solve problems that are in our present and then create the future that we want so yeah. like exactly what you're saying I, but so I it's agree. a gift and a curse it, it is, is a gift and a flipping curse <laughs> right and the 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 curse is in part having people not understand exactly Und- what you're yeah. talking about mm-hmm. and the struggle of finding people that see the world maybe in a similar light because or feeling indifferent be, yeah that too anywho so moving on <laughs> <laughs> Because there's so much, no, thank you. We, so we can go down there. that path. But... We, we definitely can. And we're going to talk about different, different futures, but let me get through the rest of the instructions. And then it kind of okay. goes into like, yeah, it's just one more page of instructions. So it goes on to say, welcome to Decode the Future, the name of the game, a game that helps you think about what might happen next. We help you rapidly imagine what's possible in the future and how these possibilities might impact you. The goal is to take productive, creative tangents, which is what we're going to do today, taking productive, creative tangents as we present these unexpected scenarios. Mm. We want you to think about unexpected scenarios 
disruptive technologies, and how people might respond when they find themselves in not-so-ordinary situations. We can also use the futures we imagine to create new ideas and generate new insights about the present. So there's always this push and pull, I think, with the present and the future. And in my futures practice, because ultimately I am eventually in the present, kind of considering myself a futurist, that's just where my brain has been at. And in my mm-hmm. practice, I genuinely believe that you have to think about the past as well, even though the past is immutable. It's still yes. something worst, worth acknowledging because the history is is the foundation. It's the how we got to where we're at now. And I've taken a lot of pleasure in kind of getting into history a little bit more than I was in the past yeah. in regards to the industries that I work in. I haven't been dabbling into history recently, but in this past year, I just finished up my first year, my first official year with like BSF. So for those of you who don't know, it's like kind of like a Bible study. And my how I conceptualize looking at the past, understand the present, my understanding of that has come from doing that study. So like, you know, like there's the New Testament and then, I mean, the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's like so many chapters in the book that are were really difficult for me to understand without reference to the Old Testament. And then there was like so many passages that were saying you will not understand the future unless you recollect on the past. The future is also in the past and you have to decode it. And it's mm-hmm. a it's a combination of like prophecy and things that were that already happened and that were written mm-hmm. to reference to really figure out what's to come. And then every time you will discover something completely new, yeah. which is Anyway, I love that philosophy, but you were you were definitely dabbling into that with you saying going into history. Go ahead. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. No. Well, I mean, on that note, I kind of want to ask you before we even go deeper, just aside from this, the features that are going to be presented in the game, yeah. but like adjectives or feelings or thoughts about your personal future that you are imagining, like this can span the realm of like of work, of relationships of people that you see of occupations that you see like what does your personal future entail for yourself and i one adjective no not so it can be an adjective i'm trying to give you options and ways to think about it it could be an adjective so it could be like like just words that come to mind when you think about what you and your future looks like or the one that you're creating for me like one that immediately comes to mind is shared economy so that's mm-hmm. something that I see in a future that I'm hopefully building with the people that come into my reality, because one thing that I'm deeply interested in is specifically in the creative industry, mm-hmm. how people can continue to be compensated in a fair way. Like right now we have this writer's mm-hmm. strike that's taking place through the Writers Guild in, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I'm especially on the back end of what is a very real issue with the way that generative AI and and augmented reality is coming into the forefront. So just different ways that economies can continue and really in a future sense be more sustainable for the people that are operating in various industries. So for me, like shared economy, circular economy, that's just a few terms that are coming to mind in my future that I'm hoping to build. So just anything that comes to mind for for a future that you are hopeful for. I love that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I could definitely see that for the future. I think um, another one to add to that pile is, hmm, I don't really have a official title for it. It's still in the works, but self-discovery looking similar to, or people understanding 
that self-discovery can look a lot like innovation and how tech evolves. And then having the gadgets to really dive deep in that. I don't know if there's like a title for it, but I'm just going to say innovation of self is more the resources to that path is more accessible to the common person. And the knowledge is more not knowledge. How, how do I say this? So I've been again, I've been doing a really deep dive into health and I've been watching some interviews of some of the people who spend the most money on their health in the world. And like they're getting into reverse aging and some of them are doing really extreme routines to slow down the rate of speed at which they age. And so there's this one dude that I listened to his interview and he looks like a whole elf, like, but I don't know his age at all. His skin is flawless, which is amazing, but I would never do the routines that he does. But what one thing that I greatly appreciate is how he breaks down what health should look like for a lot of people. And especially like in America, we can get into this on how like we are very reactive to health rather than proactive. And one of the things that is so beautiful about this time frame that we live in is that we have so much technology that can help us better understand ourselves because it's it's really misconstrued that like technology is going against human development, but in actuality, it's only helping us gather more data on ourselves so that we can actually improve for our special culture, our history and so forth. We can pull back and logs within ourselves and our ancestors instead of testing or using tests and following these articles that were definitely more tailored to maybe Anglo-Saxon people. So mm-hmm. I say all that to say, if there's, there's still no title for what this type of development or this type of health cycle is called, but I want to say that is what I see for the future. Um, I'm seeing long, way more uh, longevity and livelihood specifically for my people um, mm-hmm. in the future and what that looks like, what collecting data looks like. I don't know what yeah. we call that, but I mean, yeah, that, that's well, something that's, I would really hope to see. Well, that's the beauty of thinking about the future, right? I don't think that there should ever be a rush to try to put titles on things. And unfortunately, I feel like within specifically like the media industry in terms of new technologies that emerge, there's always an acceleration to try to put a title on exactly the type of activity for the sake of marketing purposes. And then also in terms of like the speed in which things and technologies specifically are created, there seems to always be this haste around the production element of it and deploying within mass culture Mm -hmm. such that there isn't a moment where we step back and be like, um, have we tested this appropriately? Like you right. were just getting into the data components and I, I minored in data science. And so in terms of the impacts of data, I think a lot about that oftentimes in yeah. terms of how marginalized communities and people that deserve to be paid for the ways in which algorithms and recommendation algorithms and AI is deployed within communities and for the alleged benefit of mm-hmm. consumers impacts people that humans quite honestly that mm-hmm. allow for the production of these types of algorithms and so mm-hmm. while i love technology and i do consider myself a technologist i am of the school of thought where i just wish that we were a little bit more cautious with how quickly we try to deploy certain technologies mm-hmm. within communities and things like that yeah. and thinking about how these futures 
just impact everybody, right? Like it's, right. it's just, especially in Western civilization, we're always trying to conquer something. And right now it feels like we're trying to conquer the next thing in tech for again, the alleged benefit. And there are so many benefits, right. like to be able to automate so many trivial tasks in business and in life is such a beautiful gift, I do believe, mm-hmm. not necessarily mm-hmm. in the service of productivity under capitalism, but in the sense of like, I've done this a million times, so therefore I don't need to do it again. It would be nice right. to have something that can achieve that particular task for me so that I can then focus on other things that are more important for me and my spirit. Yeah, I I definitely think we need to slow down. You know, I love technology. I like that it's, we got a lot of people. I used to be one of them who was like, I wish it can speed up because I'm so ready for the day we have. uh, This is not me, but I'm just, just saying, for example, I'm so ready for the day to have flying cars, but no longer. I actually am. That's one thing I hope for the future is that we move a lot slower with technology. We can't, the government can't even keep up. Like it can't even keep up with the technical advances that we're having, which is why, you know, cybersecurity is really high in demand right now because we there's so many new issues that are coming afloat because we're moving too fast. Like you said, we don't know how these technologies are actually going to impact the communities. And so I'm speaking from a level of literally in the future, I just hope that more people can have access to their records of their past to improve their future generations, genetics and so forth like that. Mm -hmm. But I know if we're moving too quickly with this type of tech, we can also, I heard the other day, this person said AI is becoming so advanced that you can replicate like a kid and have them call their quote unquote air quote mom and ask for money mm-hmm. um, as like a scammer. Like just looking at the other right. side, like the black market of technology. Yes. Yeah, the um, And then exactly. And they sound or look on FaceTime just like their kid. And they're asking them, hey, can I have like a hundred dollars because I'm in a blah, blah, blah situation. Right. And they think that wholeheartedly this person is their child. And so them giving money. So, yeah, like you were saying, there's definitely uh, I'm excited about those things we just said. Yes. For the future. But another thing to add to the future, I hope we're, we also have a moment to slow down as a people, as people yes. and our yes. processes become a lot cleaner when it comes to handling technology. I completely agree with this idea of like a slow economy and just a slowness of life in right. general in its fullest sense. And I also appreciate how you already kind of thought about like the negative implications and we were kind of getting on that. But that's also what this game that we're talking about today, Decode the Future, kind of gets it. It kind of promotes this idea of thinking not only about the ways that technology can positively impact the future, but then also being aware of the negative implications of said technology. And so to kind of just like extend this game and to extend the conversation, that was basically the instructions that we went through earlier. And so this is a card game as well, Mm. folks. So Ideally. Oh, we haven't even gotten into the game yet. That was we just a preface. Got, yeah, it was just a preface. Ooh, yeah, no, like, but, but the, the conversations that we were just having are the types of conversations that you want to have with your friends. Like, I mean, and you and me, me, Victoria, we have these conversations like every single time we hop on FaceTime. Like, <laughs> it'll be a check-in. Like, how's your mom? How's your dad? How's life? How's work? And then it's like the future. Right? <laughs> like, like what? Where, yeah. What is going on? Yep. Can you offer so me different, insight? So many like, different levels. Check out this show. But this is a card yeah. game. Decode the future is a card <clears throat> game. And ideally, you go to their website, and we're going to link it in the description. But you download the two documents. There's the instructions document that explains the game, and then there's the list of cards. And so within this card game, basically, there's three types of cards that you can pull from and play with to essentially form a scenario. So let me walk us through those 
various cards, the three cards. So the first is called the stakeholder. And so what's the stakeholder in this game? It's the people who could interact with or influence your future. Some stakeholders may be more relevant than others. Challenge yourself to consider their points of view or think of how you could work with them. Mm-hmm. So I think we have- Do they tr- do they gain, do they benefit from being a stakeholder? That's one question, because that's the difference yep. between a mentor and an investor for me. Mm-hmm. Ah, true. I mean, I think ultimately- I really like this game because I feel like it gives you a guideline for how to think about it. But then I think you can also kind of expand your horizons however you want. So like for me, stakeholder, I'm thinking about the traditional idea of a stakeholder. There's someone that benefits from, Mm -hmm. from an investment, so to speak, or from a Mm -hmm. business. There, there are people that are communicating with boards of directors or CEOs to basically be like that move was unsuccessful. Fix it because we're losing money. That could literally look in the, like a business or my parent. (laughs) Yes. 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 It could literally be your parent. Like from the perspective of like, you got certain people after grads that were forced to go to university because their parents told them to, and they were paying their way through. Like the parents Mm -hmm. had the money to send their kids to school. I don't want to be here. My parent is paying for my way to be here. So that's Mm -hmm. why I'm in school. So the parent is a stakeholder. Like Mm -hmm. you not performing well in your classes. um, That affects them, babe. That affects them. That investment. That's their investment. (laughs) Absolutely. So yes, someone that can benefit from or someone that might just be directly or maybe indirectly connected to a scenario or something like this. The second type of card is the tech. So the actual thing that's being created, the future that is offered. So they say this is the established emerging and speculative technologies that might disrupt your organization, industry, or society at large, i.e. when I was referencing the Writers Guild strikes that are taking place right now in Hollywood. Right now, one of their concerns is the ways in which AI will inevitably impact their industry and many other industries, like from technologies such as chat, GPT. Sorry, what industry? The writing industry, the screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like the strikes that are taking place in Hollywood and throughout the industry right now, uh, one of their concerns, not only with with fair pay, but also the ways that's crazy with generative AI, such as like chat. You know, it's you know, it's right. Certain things (laughs) like this is so real. And you thinking this is so far from us. I was talking to a director the other day and he was he's getting excited about this project he's about to start. And he asked me, he was like, how do you feel about um, an AI machine writing my scripts? And I was mm. like, no, we could no. never. I said, no. that takes, that takes away from the art form. What, it, what do you mean? Mm. And this man was with a straight yeah. face telling me he was considering having his project produced by AI. Wonderful. Uh-uh. Yeah. Is that, yeah. is that really? No, it's not. I was being sarcastic. Apologies. But I do have men- I have many thoughts on this AI boom that is going specifically the ways in which it will potentially impact the creative space. So right now there's this big boom with generative AI. So you have different programs. The one that's coming to mind is Dolly, right? So you basically put in a written prompt and it produces an image. So I'm thinking about how photographers are thinking about this. Artists mm-hmm. are thinking about this because now you no longer have to, so to speak, be an artist. You can now be a chatbot writer, essentially, but then also be considered someone that is producing art. That's the question, so to speak, whether or not you might disagree or agree with whether or not the people that are using generative AI to create, so to speak, art. Mm -hmm. That's something that we have to grapple with in the future. But for me, 
my belief, so I'm so glad you raised this comment about the director or the writer considering producing a script with one of these chatbots. I think that what's going to happen in the future, this is just one of my futures, but over time, and I don't have a timeline for this yet, but the market is going to be so saturated with the people that are using generative AI to capture attention and create whatever it is that they are creating. And in the short term, it's going to be intriguing. It's going to be interesting. And it might very well even produce things that are on par with art that we considered to be masterful or enjoyable to the eye and beautiful. Mm. But my thought is that it's going to become saturated with a particular aesthetic that is going to be discernible by human eye. So it's mm -hmm. going to be clear that this was produced by a chatbot or produced by a piece of generative AI yeah. algorithm. And there's going to be a desire, much like this desire for, I think, like a slower movement and like a slower process of creativity that we are beginning to see. I think there's going to be a desire to still have that human touch. Mm -hmm. So for me and my practice, I'm still interested more so on like that human touch. So like to the director that you're referencing their point, sure, have a chatbot potentially write your script. It could very well be interesting. Like that's the arguments that we're grappling with. But I do mm -hmm. think that you still have to have a way to apply a human touch. And that is going to be one of the skills in the future that I think is very essential for people. Like you can't not know how to write. Like mm -hmm. just because these chatbots exist, you still need to know how to edit. You still need to know how to produce a well-written essay and yeah. be able to communicate yourself verbally and in written form. Personally, you might disagree with that. Like I got the chatbot, I'm good to go. I can bring this in my backpack, mm -hmm. my, my backpack, my purse, my on-the-go bag. Like I'm set, I'm good. But that's just my opinion. So I feel like the market is going to over time become saturated with that type of art form. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I am hopeful. I am optimistic, especially in the creative industries. I think we have people who are very definitive about what is considered, <clears throat> like you said, preserving the human touch and um what they add to art because that that's what to me that's what makes it art yes. and like you said i think hello look at me <laughs> <laughs> i i think that eventually it will take a little bit of time but the ai script will be equivalent to canva and photoshop like how creatives look at that you know when you know so Ooh, I do. respectfully I <laughs> it's going to be become more disrespected in the industry it's yeah. like, oh, okay, okay. You made this poster on Canva. That re response to yeah. like a digital designer, it just doesn't have the same value in the market to be yeah. completely fair. So I am hopeful in that. But then in other industries, when I think about like the medical field and how they can use AI to, to quickly, illness. to predict illness, mm -hmm. to write out the the what I don't know those sheets that they have to fill out all those notes yes. for one patient and they have multiple patients a day and like the brain alone can only handle so much I'm just imagining AI being a tool for that sense and when I think about it like that I'm like okay that doesn't require a human touch really if anything it requires less of a human conscious and more of an analytical standpoint of like okay this is what we're dealing with this is not I'm not going to base it on what I did in the past we're going to well AI VR all of that can 
they can take out the emotional point of a human of what humans tend to carry and especially in the health field you don't have time to really lean into that you have you need to further lean into history of bio kim and all that stuff and so to keep record of all that as one human being is quite difficult so the fact that we can lean into technology more for to have better standpoints and historical record in that way, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm down for that. So it depends on the industry for me. But yeah, like you were saying, AI being used in the creative art forms, I think, I hope that are the the people who live in this space and and make money off of the creative. And they have to. And I mean, that that's the thing. Like, again, these algorithms that are being created within these particular industries and disrupting these particular industries, they are also only available and producible in part because of the human touch again like Mm -hmm. data is what fuels algorithms data comes from humans Mm -hmm. therefore you can't separate the human from the technology personally that's my belief and so you have to address the human contributions you mean in labor yes specifically specifically in labor but then yes yes most definitely in labor but then that's a whole other conversation i thought you meant like because the point of earlier like moving removing the emotional part but yeah in labor yeah oh yes yes in labor yes that's a totally that's a whole deeper argument in terms of like contributing data and creating data being a whole laborious process in and of itself so yes to everything that was just said and so we've gone through at this point we've gone through what the stakeholder is which is one type of card we've gone through the tech which is another type of card and so as i said earlier There's three types of cards in this game called Decode the Future, and the third is called The Situation. And so what is The Situation? It is the real and speculative context that might change our way of life and how we operate. Similar to a pandemic, these situations that might change the world as we currently know it. So those are just like really big events, really big opportunities sometimes, because even though you have negative connotations with sometimes people do, in regards to how events might impact the future. A lot Mm -hmm. of times there's opportunities that can be leveraged from certain outcomes like the pandemic or recession and things like that. So really it's just like being expansive. And then as the rules go on to say, like there's no bad ideas when you're talking about these situations or you're generating speculative ideas for the future. It's just about like we've been doing in this conversation so far, just like offering ideas and having that safe space to be able to just say like this is where my brain went and this is where i'm thinking what are your thoughts like and and that's what this whole game is premised on okay so also in the instructions if you guys should decide to play it goes on to basically talk about like why you should play so i'm just gonna like run through these and then you know i think it's just helpful to again remind ourselves why we think about the future as we were talking about earlier so why should you play it helps practice thinking about the future gain fresh perspectives, imagine alternative futures, change your perspective, build team dynamics. So, you know, when you and me, Victoria, when we hop on a FaceTime call and we like randomly go down a rabbit hole on like just everything that is transpiring, be it from a perspective of like being a recent grad or how economies are shifting or how work is impacting us, we then might transcend five years into the future to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, is this the way it's going to be? Like, what are ways that this might change I feel like that helps us at least in my view build team dynamics because again I've said this before like I'm not interested in a future that isn't connected to other people I'm very much disinterested with ideas that are self-centered and self-serving in all in all forms like even from an independent standpoint like there was a time when I wanted to be this like particular type of independent person but like 
even that isn't really interesting to me because I'm just so, and it really is a buzzword, but I really mean it in the fullest of its terminology, like community is something that I'm pushing towards. And I mean that in every facet of my personal life. I mean that from a professional standpoint, a career standpoint. So yeah, that's a few reasons as to why you would want to play this game. And as we'll see next time, because that's Mm -hmm. also what we should mention too, that we're going to break this episode up into two parts. So this episode is really just like an introduction to the game. The second episode that we drop soon is going to be a part two to this conversation where we kind of like dive deeper into the cards that they have and we'll select various cards and try to build various scenarios in terms of how the world could possibly be impacted in the future, both from like positive actors, bad actors. And as we wait for that part two to come around, like take the time to think about the future for yourself, you know, like what that looks like maybe on a micro level or on a macro level. And then maybe you can parallel it to our conversation in part two. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see you all in part two when we actually play the game. And there's so many resources out there too, for Mm -hmm. people that like might've been inspired by this Mm -hmm. conversation too. And if you Mm -hmm. are interested in some of the resources that we've dabbled in, I would be happy to share them. So you can reach out to us too, if that's something of interest. And I would be happy to talk about the future with anybody. So if, if you're, because that's the other All thing day. too, I feel like thinking about the future is a very isolating endeavor and something that not many people participate in. And it can be very lonely. So mm-hmm. if you are listening to this episode and you're like, I have a lot of thoughts that need sharing, I'm literally in that headspace all the time. So I could use a friend who would want, aside from Victoria, who <laughs> would be interested in having these conversations about the future please reach out, please contact us. But until next time, yes, think about the future.